How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, underneath me right now, there, or maybe not anymore, I think it's probably out at this point, but there, there was music. There was music. There was a theme song. There was something, uh, something totally new. You may not even be able to hear the what was it coined the the choke tro where i hold out the welcome uh at the start like you might not even be able to hear it anymore because there's actual music yeah we uh big shout out to uh to friend of the pod danny schmitz from the band lost in a name uh you can follow danny uh on instagram and twitter at danny underscore shred as in shredding on the guitar and uh his band's uh, instagram and twitter handles is uh, lost in a name one word so Thanks, Danny. I um, I was just cruising around on uh, I was actually on the real GM site, and Danny had made this theme song, and um, I was just like, "Yeah, that's that's really cool. That's really well done. This person <laughs> actually has talent, clearly." Yeah. Um, and uh, you it's know, not what, you or me on like garage. No, band, no, like. no, not no, not, <laughs> not at all, not at all. We did not do uh, get in the recording studio and uh, and do any harmonies for that song, uh, <laughs> obviously. But um, but it it figures today is a good day to to start with, you know. Giannis's most famous shot because um we, we've had this this funny um I don't know funny annoying um thing here over the last what is it 24 hours and yeah. I guess you you were kind you you did your part to sort of actually maybe stir <laughs> some of this up because you actually um what was it yesterday was when you uh, yeah. transcribed the the Woj quotes from the Ryan Russillo show where he you know, it wasn't like inside information. It was just basically like, you know, Woj sort of stirring the pot here a little bit and um, talking about Giannis uh, being a threat to leave eventually, you know, in four years. Um, and uh, and and thankfully, you know, a lot of teeth gnashing, a lot of angst. I think we, we tried to give people, you know, tell people not to panic. It's just, you know, kind of, yeah. If it's you, life. If you don't do a good job as a team, then your best player may eventually want to leave. Um <laughs> But uh, but Giannis uh, delivering a, a he's a got a new most famous shot right like he's this got is, a new most this famous is, shot he took it. his he took his most famous tweet tonight maybe <laughs> um, maybe maybe just behind the smoothie tweet I guess but um, and maybe you can explain this because you can read it off because I didn't know that it was a reference but I don't think it diminishes the um, you know 
the the niceness of it or the uh, timeliness of it. But um, I guess it was a reference to a Kendrick Lamar song, which I wasn't even aware of until people made me aware of it. But um, uh, it is it is from the song DNA um, off of Kendrick Lamar's new album, and uh, it's an act- strangely enough, I actually used it in my article about jabari parker on his like recovery uh when we talked a couple months back um and that was jabari's favorite song off the off the new lamar or off the new kendrick lamar album at the time um so yeah it says i got loyalty inside my dna and then conveniently enough there's an emoji of of a buck that you could actually use for the tweet um and he, he threw that in there and now everything is fine uh the messy gm search <laughs> never happened uh no I, I i think i think the funny thing in the last 24 hours has been obviously since i was the one that transcribed it like my mentions have just been on fire for the last 24 hours and i've had a bunch of people kind of quote tweeting it replying to it and there's really only two reactions to it which i think kind of speaks to uh really what all of that was from woge and really what the last couple months were and it on one side there was this is stupid this is not true this is speculation you haven't talked to Giannis about how he actually feels you're just guessing how he might have felt And he said for his entire career that he wants to be in Milwaukee forever. So why are you even, why are you even transcribing this? Why are you giving this the time of the day? This is pointless. And then on the other side, it's like, yep, uh, everything I've been worried about for the last month and how terribly the Bucks handled all this and how terribly uh, the Bucks went about finding a GM. This is exactly what I was talking about. This is exactly what we feared, and this is exactly what we were talking about. And there was literally no, there was no middle ground there. You, you were either on one of those two sides, and and I think the first side makes a lot of sense because Giannis is your guy. No, he's never leaving. Um, I think it it probably speaks a little bit to the irrationality of fandom, um, and. No, like this guy's committed. He's one of us. He is. Our, he's. He's our guy. Like this is our superstar. He's never leaving, and he wants to be here. So I, I think it. It does kind of speak to the way a fan would think about this, and the way a fan would process this. And then the other one would be um, maybe how a Bucks fan would process it, <laughs> with as as pessimistic as. Uh, of an attitude as negative of an attitude as you could have, uh, which kind of sums up the last, I don't know, my existence as a Bucks fan. Um, so I, I, I wasn't surprised to see those two reactions nearly exclusively. Um, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting 24 hours. Yeah. And there was, um, I guess other than, than the Giannis storm, um, there was also, uh, some of the administrative stuff that we expected, um, we uh, we 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 said last night that it was Sterling Brown trade eve because the moratorium was ending at <laughs> at noon, I guess Eastern, um, on the sixth on Thursday, and of course, uh, as as expected, Sterling Brown the the trade from uh, Philly to Milwaukee was announced. Uh, Sterling Brown is uh, was jetting that, was into that a Bucks bomb. That's a technically a Bucks bomb since the Bucks dropped that one on their Twitter. I guess, there was I guess, there was no yeah, confirmation anywhere else. 
Yeah, I guess technically they uh, they they dropped it themselves. Um, so Sterling Brown, I guess, is joining the team in Vegas. So he missed, I guess, the first. Uh, what was it? Did he miss a day? Was it only a day of yeah, of that like little cash. mini mini camp? So Sterling Brown is uh, is is with the Bucks now as well. And the Bucks also tweeted out some photos of guys signing contracts today. Not Sterling Brown. It may be a little while before we see him sign, just because. Oh no! Second round pick. There's a picture of it. Of Sterling, of Sterling Brown doing what? I thought there was a picture of him. I need to double check, but I thought oh, there was. Well, there, there may be a picture, but he's not. He's not signing a contract immediately. Oh, I mean, yeah, typically, yeah. Um, you know, there's a bit of a uh, a period of negotiation with second round picks, just because you know, unlike a first round pick, um, there is actually something to negotiate. Um, so, uh, so Sterling Brown, we'll see. You know, when he signs, but DJ Wilson did put pen to paper. There are photos, photographic evidence of it by the Bucks. Um, he will get uh, presumably the 120% scale um, that is customary for for rookies of his slot. Uh, puts him at about 2.1 million this year. That's the number we've been bookkeeping. That's his uh, what his cap hold has been previously. And uh, kind of a random wrinkle. I mean, I don't think most people care, but I feel like it's my duty to give you the cap minutia. Yeah. Uh, previous previous CBA. Um, so every every pick basically has what's called the rookie scale uh, value for that pick, and then teams can sign the players technically for eighty to one hundred twenty percent of that amount. Um, it, it's basically always that they get one hundred twenty percent. Oftentimes they're like kind of like random, you know, incentives, like literally like appearances and things like that that they put in, like like little. So I think I think sometimes it's like appearances off court, like really random type type things. But typically it's just a formality to get to the one hundred twenty percent. But because of that, um, it, it can actually be strategically useful to delay signing first-round picks in order to not get that 20% hit on your cap. Because first-round picks do count for on, previously counted for 100%, and then when they sign for the 120%, they count for that amount. So previously, teams sometimes tried to delay signing first-round picks to, to kind of get that little cap advantage for as long as possible. Now with the new CBA, they count for 120%. So basically it said, all right, guys, let's quit screwing around making first-round picks, you know, playing Vegas without having their contract signed. Um, so now there's no real need to, to delay that. So DJ Wilson puts pen to paper to that. And one other player uh, who was linked with the Bucks on draft night, Bronson Koenig, also signing, uh, as expected, his two-way contract with the Bucks. Um, I thought it was a little cruel, not cruel, but it was a little funny because um, I think the, uh, you know, he signed and he had a, a, an Instagram picture of him signing. You know, it was like, oh, dream, you know, dream the big thing, hashtag Bucks, things like that. And then I, I think the Wisconsin Herd official account, like, uh, not through cold water on it, but, you know, reminded them, reminded everyone that it is a two-way contract. So, you know, again, Bruns Koenig is expected to spend most, if not all, of next year um, in uh, in in Oshkosh, uh, playing for the Wisconsin herd. So um, so of course, you know they they uh, they they tweeted out as well um, that that you know they're happy to have uh, 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 Bronson Koenig joining joining the herd. So um, whether he sees much time in Milwaukee, we'll see. But he will certainly see time in uh, in Oshkosh, which is uh, pretty cool for reasons that we've discussed previously. So so yeah, I don't know. Do we want to talk about? summer league do we want to give our hardcore summer league preview at this point or, or are there any other things we want to talk about before we jump into that um i don't really think so i'm i'm trying to think of with summer league i think i don't know summer league is always just kind of a an interesting thing to watch uh just because there's been plenty of times where dudes have crushed it at summer league and not been good players. There have been dudes that have 
not been good at summer league and been good players. Um, so I don't necessarily know that it's indicative. I think I always think the thing I'm looking for is projectable skills that that could go forward. And I guess what I mean by that is like I don't necessarily care if a pick scores 25 points. Uh, I, I don't care if they put up big numbers. I, I care a lot more if they're able to figure out, figure out defensive rotations. I, I care if a guy like DJ Wilson is able to switch on to a two or a three and show off the footwork. Like we saw Thon do last summer, like in summer league, there was a couple possessions where he switched on to guards and you could see him move his feet. And there was time there was, <laughs> he was certainly all over the place at times uh, during summer league and a little bit out of control but at the same time that you could kind of see that that was an underlying skill and I guess seeing that out of DJ Wilson I think would be would be more comforting to me than maybe seeing him score 29 points on 35 percent shooting like that that wouldn't really excite me it would be more about um, how he could fit into a potential role so I, I guess that's always the the balance you try to strike in summer league watching summer league games is what matters, what doesn't matter, what projects forward, what gives you hope, what makes you, um, I guess, maybe disappointed and makes you think that, okay, maybe this guy isn't going to work out at the next level. Um, I, I think that's more the stuff that you have to try to keep an eye on, but it's very hard to try to figure out what those things may be. Yeah, I mean, I think typically guys playing poorly means more than guys playing well. Um, and and well is is sort of relative. I mean, it seems like every year a lot of like big-name guys like, shoot 35 percent and you know put up decent raw numbers and people get excited about them and you know i mean again a lot of it is like you said looking for those projectable skills um you know and to kind of recap last year if people don't remember necessarily you know thon didn't shoot well 38 percent um but i think he did show that that he belonged you know that he was an nba player that his you know tools did you know hopefully we're going to translate um didn't shoot great from three but 32 percent um hit six threes uh so again he kind of looked like a guy like, okay the, you know he hopefully that's a skill that that will project and I, anytime um we we talk about big guys making threes in vegas we also need to note that john henson i believe hit two three pointers <laughs> in his only summer in his first summer league and i think larry sanders hit one or two when he was in vegas as well so you know kind of hey, throw out a lot of those don't stats, but, dude don't undersell those threes those are going to go on our highlight video yeah and and you know the the flip side though is you know guys who didn't necessarily play as well um Rashad Vaughn did not look good in his second summer league. Yep. 34% from the field, 24% on threes. Um, you know, again, just didn't kind of do anything to kind of stand out or uh, or look like a guy who was going into his second year. Um, Malcolm Brogdon also did not shoot the ball well at all. 34% from the field, uh, 17% from three. Uh, also didn't, you know, hit, I think, uh, let's see what he hit, four out of seven free throws. Even, you know, he didn't even shoot free throws well, which you know, he had done exceptionally well in college. Um, but he did have... No turnovers, think, man. Yeah, exactly. 22 assists versus three turnovers, which is a lot of, you know, very little um, very little wastefulness for a guy <clears throat> in summer league where oftentimes, you know, things are pretty ragged and, you know, players haven't played together and things like that. So that was probably the one takeaway was that he looked comfortable on the ball, um, doing a little bit of playmaking, but you know, I didn't look. I, I didn't get the sense that you know he had that that we talked about going into the season. Did he have that kind of second gear um, to get to the rim? Um, and obviously, we you know he missed a lot of three pointers very badly, and that was I know a big concern 
of mine and I think yours going into the regular season was is that shot going to stretch out and obviously I mean, that went that um, went two months into the season and we were still like oh I don't know if it's actually gonna yeah I could turn at any point and it just didn't yeah and he shoots you know over 40 percent and I guess we'll see how sustainable it is but obviously you can't take anything away from Malcolm for you know the work he put into to you know improve even from from Vegas on and obviously he's an older player I, I think a lot of times for and this kind of I guess to kind of turn our attention to this summer I mean what you know I'll, I'll ask you as well I'll give you my kind of first shot idea of this but you know in terms of what we want to see in Vegas you talked a little bit about you know TJ Wilson I think you know, a lot of times you like want to get to see these guys put up big numbers, and I, yeah, it is with DJ Wilson. I mean, he's he was basically a role player in college, um, and he's probably going to be a role player in the pros, which isn't maybe something that gets people super excited. But um, I think that's what he'll also be probably in Vegas, right? Because he's playing with Thon Maker, um, Sterling Brown's obviously going to be there, Rashad Vaughn's going to be there, Gary Payton II's going to be there, uh, Koenig's obviously there. I mean, the Bucks have you know, again, a, a pretty good number of of NBA players uh, on their roster, so he's not going to be like you know, asked to, you know, do a ton necessarily, but all these guys hopefully will get shots and opportunities. And, um, I think, you know, when we talk about, uh, especially second year players, you know, the thing you want from them, and I can't remember if, if you tweeted this out or somebody tweeted this out, but you know, it's the thing I always, you always want is show me that you're too good to be there. Um, mm-hmm. and I think especially for Thon, um, you know, Thon had such an interesting season because, you know, he started the year, uh, you know, in the random minutes he saw, I was kind of like, all right, you know, or the preseason minutes, I was like, all right, this He's not ready to play. And by, you know, the the first round of the playoffs, we were looking at him and thinking, how do you keep this guy on the court longer? Right. How <laughs> yeah. do you how do you make sure, especially yeah. defensively, that that he's in there and his his defense in particular was so valuable given his mobility and the way that um, Toronto was was playing. And, and even when Valanciunas was in, you know, they really weren't abusing Thon um, even when he was in. So um, hopefully with Thon, you know, we've seen him perform reasonably well, put up numbers at least in Vegas. Um, and so this year, I think the hope is, uh, you know, last year he basically played all power forward, didn't really play center at all pretty much in Vegas last year. Uh, this year, can we see him play center, obviously, hopefully with DJ Wilson at the four? And can we see Thon, um, you know, look like the guy confident in charge on defense, manning the middle? Um, you know, again, he's he's not a guy who's not obviously just going to like sit back at the rim and block guys trying to dunk on him. He's obviously much more of a move his feet and, and block guards as they try to get around him type guy. Um, but, you know, he didn't I didn't necessarily show a, a ton of great rim protection in Vegas last year. I was probably more impressed with his perimeter defense and his shot yep. contest in the perimeter. I mean, he had a ton of fouls, but none of them were basically on like shot picks. Like he has a really his closeout instincts are, are terrific. Uh, I remember seeing him block a shot on a on a three pointer, I think, yep. early in uh, in Vegas, which was really encouraging. So. Um, so, yeah, just look like a kind of guy defensively. I think we're seeing. And then can he show a bit more offensively than than we've seen you know can he get the ball in the high post and put it on the floor take a dribble and and you know hit a, a half hook shot right can he um you know look more confident can he get uh, to that you know left shoulder throw in a little right-handed baby hook is that something that he has in his game obviously you're not going to see a lot of that at the nba level just because nobody does post-ups and there's no reason to really have thon maker be isolating in post-ups or anything like that but um i think just trying to see him operate more in that capacity um, hopefully he'll have enough guys around him that you know teams can't just kind of load up on him. Um, but you know again, use his his quickness. Uh, hopefully get some mismatches uh, at the center spot. You know Vegas is weird because centers in Vegas you get a lot of like 
well, I mean, Josh, Joshua Smith, who was on the, the Buck Summer League last year, or like a, an enormous dude who doesn't really move that well. Yep. Um, you know, you, a lot of these guys don't really look, they look probably more like traditional centers, a lot of like big kind of slow guys. Um, and so that might be an interesting challenge for Thon, given his foot speed and maybe lack of ideal strength. But, um, but that's the main thing I'm looking for is, you know, hoping that Thon shows more of like what he was in the playoffs. And um, hopefully he's a guy who can, you know, again, show, show that he is a second year player who, um, has grown a lot and and is a, a legitimate NBA starting player. We've seen you know Tobias Harris, we've seen Giannis, we've seen John Henson, we've seen all those guys look really good in the second year of their summer league experiences, and hopefully Thon will be no exception. I think I'll also give my my typical warning, my typical word of caution. Like this is just summer league, guys. Um, so just just be aware of that but like frank said like if someone's bad in summer league okay i'm I'm okay with being concerned about that um so just again i I don't know if it's the most healthy to watch every second of a summer league game um because there's some bad basketball being played there um but yeah just kind of keep that in mind um but other than that yeah it'd be interesting to see kind of what thon's ideal role is um i know often last year we talked about him picking and popping and how the Bucks needed to have him do that more rather than have him roll to the rim. Um, I'd be curious to see kind of what they have him do in pick-and-roll situations, um, if it's going to be more of shooting, more of rolling to the rim. And I guess the same kind of holds true for DJ Wilson. How, how do they use him um, in those same ways? Um, I think that'll be interesting. And, yeah, Thon, I guess to me Thon's just kind of a, a weird one to judge in that way um, just because – there's part of me that hopes he just uses his crazy athleticism and is just all over the place blocking every shot and just owning the world um but then there's another part of me that knows that that's probably not the best thing um for him to start kind of having some of those habits and uh to just start trying to dominate games in that way because maybe that just might not fit him but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see thon in that second year um what he can do especially because so often like you said he he did kind of show that he belonged at the nba level and in the playoffs he showed that he belonged um so that'll be fun to watch and uh sterling brown if you again not don't want to focus on necessarily results and all that but man if he could shoot like 40 percent from three that that would just that would really just make me happy. And again, like maybe that's asking for a lot, but also maybe it's not because he shot what like forty some percent from three in college. Um, so if you could, that would just make me feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, and and just knowing that you have a guy like that that can come off the bench and kind of move into open space, hit open threes, catch and shoot. Um, that would that would be exciting. Uh, but again, I don't know if I have real strict expectations um, with any of that, but uh, it'll be fun to watch. Basketball is always fun to watch. Um, it, no matter how much I don't really like summer league basketball, uh, it is better than no basketball. Uh, so I will be excited to watch. And again, that game will start at, I think Friday nights is 530 Central um, and ESPN 2, I believe, on the schedule. Uh, so I I need to double check everything there, but I think it's uh, ESPN2, NBA TV, and then ESPN2. I'm just trying to pull up the schedule here. Um, I think I think all the games are on ESPN3.com or whatever. Watch ESPN or whatever the, the online version is. Um, 
but yeah, I think tomorrow is that, 530 ESPN 2. Yeah, and ESPN I'm, two. I'm, I'm, it'll be interesting to see like, kind of what they do as far as the starting five. I mean, you know, again, I, if they start fun at power forward, I'm just going to like shake my head because like how stupid would it be if you, you know, have a guy who's starting at center in the NBA and <laughs> needs to be at center to maximize his value. And, you know, you you know, had him starting at power how, forward. How I don't would know. You do I don't know who, Tim Kenton know, at center? Yeah, that's the only that's the only person who like is theoretically even a center on this roster. So my hope is that by default, um, you know, the only other guy, the tallest, the three tallest guys on the on the roster are Thon at seven one, DJ Wilson at you know six ten and a half, and Tim Kempton is listed at six nine. So it, it seems like by default Thon will have to play center. So that that is a good thing. Um, and so my hope is that you see Thon at, at the four, uh, DJ at the or sorry Thon at the five, DJ at the four, and then it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I imagine with Sterling Brown because he's you know coming a day late. Um, that he might come off the bench initially because again you do have Peyton, um, Vaughn, uh, and uh, Koenig who you know presumably will all play you know real minutes. Um, so I, I don't know if you'd play all three of those. I don't know if you'd start Vaughn at the three and you know play Peyton and Koenig, or if you bring uh, you know for instance Koenig off the bench or something like that, or or even Peyton off the bench. I, I don't know. Um, but at, at a minimum, I think it's interesting because hopefully most of the guys that we see get minutes are, are going to be guys that actually have a chance to to make the roster and. You know, Peyton, I think, will be especially interesting because he is, I mean, he's an older guy anyway. He's uh, going to be 25 next season as a second-year player. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think probably has to show something because um, I, I don't know, I haven't seen any any guarantee dates on him, um, but presumably he probably um, has a guarantee date at some point. And if that's, you know, like in August, for instance, um, this is a chance for the Bucks to kind of get a read on him and, and see if he can show them something beyond um, you know what they saw in the very kind of brief minutes he got late last season um, but yeah I think interesting because pretty much all those guards right you know Rashad Vaughn is a third year guy a former first round pick you're not supposed to be in Vegas at that age um, Rashad Vaughn I think it behooved him to <laughs> say I want to go to <laughs> Vegas uh, he did go to UNLV it's his it's his old gym so he should feel comfortable there um, but he certainly Ooh, that's, has that's a through. good spin yeah let's yeah. do that he's gonna feel comfortable there didn't help him last year. He looked better as his rookie year. Um, not great, but still looked better as rookie year. Um, but he definitely has a lot to improve. Certainly, um, you know, obvious questions. I mean, I think we, you know, that was one of our questions. Is Rashad Vaughn going to be on the roster next year? Um, and I, I think I said no. You said yes. Um, certainly some questions about that. Uh, Gary Payton, obviously, with his non-guaranteed contract, he's an obvious guy to potentially lose uh, if there is a, a crunch to get under the uh, under the luxury tax. Um, and obviously, Bronson Koenig, you know, he's on a two-way contract. So by definition, he's on that um, on that pre- the precipice between uh, the NBA and the D-League. Presumably, obviously, you expect him to spend most of the year in the D-League. Um, but he obviously has a, has a lot to show as far as, um, you know, how does he handle being uh, against maybe not real NBA athletes, but almost NBA athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can he physically, uh, diff- you know, get to where he wants to be to, to get his shot? Um, you know, defensively, does he hold up well uh, and does his quickness? I think mainly, you know, it's like looking at his quickness. Can he, you know, if he's playing point guard, can he actually run an offense? Because uh, obviously in Wisconsin, you know, assist numbers not exactly impressive from Bronson Canning at Wisconsin. Wasn't really something he, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know Wisconsin better than I do. I mean, it just didn't seem like that was really part of their you know their philosophy that he had to really make plays or you know run lots of pick and roll or anything like that and obviously now nba is a different ball game than than uh, than the wisconsin offense so um we'll be interesting to see if if he can show out and and show that his his you know range extends to the nba three-point line 
I would expect it would eventually. Um, but, uh, you know, guys like him, they, they don't get that many chances to impress NBA personnel. And uh, obviously you hope that, that he can do that and give us maybe a nice little feel-good local angle. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Um, like I said, I'm I'm kind of bullish on his NBA prospects. Not that he's going to be a star or anything, but I think he can hopefully find a, a little niche there. Um, and again, I understand that that is some Wisconsin homer within side of me talking as well. Uh, so that'll be interesting. GP2, like I... It, he's someone that I tend to kind of forget about. And obviously we've talked about his advanced age as well as a prospect, but uh, kind of, I'm, I'm very curious to see what he looks like. Um, I would assume not much has changed. I'd assume he probably still doesn't have a jumper. Um, and I would assume that defense is probably going to be fine with him, but offensively there might not much, might not be much there. So um, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be watching him. And yeah, the, like this is, I mean, there's not a lot of dudes that get year three at NBA Summer League. That's that's not a thing that a lot of people get. So Rashad Vaughn, like this is this is, I don't want to say your time to shine because I don't know if the ideal version of Rashad Vaughn to me is Rashad Vaughn pulling up, trying to score a bunch, and trying to shine. Um, <laughs> like I, I don't think that's that's probably ideal. Um, I think we both know his game pretty well at this point. Um, and ideally, it would be, okay, let someone else create, hit a catch-and-shoot three, and if you can show that you can do that with some consistency, okay, then maybe you can carve out a role uh, one day in the NBA. But until that happens, well, that that is probably pretty far-fetched. So um, it, it's it's going to be an interesting – I think it's just going to be a very interesting summer for him. You, you mentioned that we're kind of in disagreement whether or not he, he actually – comes back and is on the roster uh once we get to october so um this is this is kind of time for him to put up or shut up and uh two of the other guys that i just find myself interested by um reggie upshaw a guy i'd seen play live in march um he's been on some middle tennessee state teams he just seems to generally know how to play obviously at six seven two thirty he doesn't really have a position because um, I don't know if he has the crazy athleticism needed to be an NBA wing. Um, if he's a couple inches taller, maybe he could play four, but I'm not sure what will happen there. And then Jalen Moore, 6'8", 220. Um, he's NBA wing size, and he shot 40% from three um, and just kind of generally filled it up at Utah State. So I'm, I'm interested there as well. Um, those two I could – and again, it happens every summer league where you fall in love with a prospect that is never going to make an NBA roster, whether that's the Bucks or some other team. And then in the end, they don't. Um, but I guess with this year, I think that idea of falling in love with one of those guys just becomes all that much more interesting to me because I know that the Bucks would still have a two-way contract open, that they could put someone on one of those two-way contracts. Um so just the fact that that's a possibility just excites me slightly. Um, not not a hundred percent sure that uh, it really helps all that much, but it it interests me. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, other thing we'll keep an eye on. I don't know if you got to watch any of the summer league games on NBA TV, but our guy David Locke calling games. He 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 had some of the games at the Utah summer league, um, and obviously if you're ever looking for anything 
about the summer league, go to that locked on. We, we, we have every single team on the network. So if you want to get really sad and listen to, uh, David gush about <laughs> Donovan Mitchell, go ahead and do so. Um, cause he put on a show last night. Uh, so if you want to do that, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, uh, every single team has a locked on podcast. So if there's a performance you really enjoy in summer league, um, a player that you're really intrigued by, go, go check out that locked on and, uh, you you can learn a little bit more about all of them. And I would, and, and I would especially recommend locked on NBA. David's uh, David, the two shows locked on jazz as well as the locked on NBA show. And, um, he's always had lots of great guests. I mean, up, up to the draft, he had, Mike Schmitz and Chad Ford, and um, we did our uh, our mock draft uh, and participated in that. Jonathan Gavoni. Um, so looking forward to uh, to who David has next, um, and we'll see we'll see kind of uh, what what happens for us this summer. But but yeah, lots of good stuff on the Lockdown Network. And um, I guess before we depart on on the Buck stuff, um, there was one other signing. I guess technically today, Jaquan Lewis, former VCU Ram. Um, did sign a, a contract with the Bucks, um, presumably here just a, like a free agent contract, sort of through camp. Um, I, I did not know anything about Jaquan Lewis, so you know I would not have picked him out of the random names on the the summer league roster to to get that that contract uh, at this point. You know, again, not a guy that you would expect to obviously make the uh, make the team. Obviously, there's you know if, if ever there was a year where uh, a Vegas guy was not going to make the the regular roster, it would be this year. But as you said. Uh, one of those, uh, you know, two-way contracts is available. I don't know if this means Jaquan Lewis is a guy that they would be interested in, in potentially that spot. Um, I mean, we talked about possibly Gary Payton if he was released. Uh, could also be a candidate for that spot as well. But um, Jaquan Lewis, I, I know very little about him, but I do have his Draft Express page open. Um, and that is all I can tell you. Uh, he did average 15 points and uh, a little under five assists and two steals. At VCU last year, shot around 37% from three on a uh, pretty good volume. Um, so, you know, a guy who uh, is is not very big, 5'11", without shoes, six foot in shoes, wingspan, 6'3 and a half, not exactly Buck's length. Um, but, you know, I guess they, they liked something about him enough to uh, to give him that uh, to give him that that deal. And uh, we will, we'll, I guess, see what uh, what what comes next for for Jaquan Lewis, and if he actually plays. Uh, potentially, he might be one of the random guys who actually uh, actually plays in uh, in Vegas. But uh, I guess we'll see. All right, so Bucks summer league schedule Friday, July seventh versus Cleveland. Uh, so by the time you're hearing that, that's tonight, five thirty ESPN two. Sunday, July 9th against Brooklyn. That's five p.m. on NBA TV, uh, and then Monday against the Clippers, nine p.m. on ESPN two. Um, so that's the full Bucks summer league schedule, and that's not including the tournament. Obviously, if they do well, they can get into the tournament. Do you get into the tournament no matter what? No, right? Like you actually have to qualify. No, I think you do. You get at least. I think. Uh, I think you get at least two more games because if you you got a first round game and if you lose you go I think you get a loser losers bracket game, um, which again is just super stupid because you know like like I, as someone who's had to you know who usually goes I'm not going this year but usually goes you know there's no way to really plan your second weekend because yeah. you don't know when they're going to be playing so um, it makes the first weekend basically the only weekend where where you'd want to go and I mean the first weekend is always better too because again like second year guys with third year guys you never know how many games they're going to play um you know talking about guys in summer league playing poorly probably the the three guys the three most disappointing summer league performances i would say that i've witnessed since 08 when i started going joe alexander the first year 
Um, I remember our, our good friend Matt Moore uh, f- from CBS and Hardwood Paroxysm fame. Matt was just dogging me about <laughs> Joe Alexander from like the first game, and I was just like, "Oh God!" And there was a lot. There was a lot of Joe Alexander angst, and of course, obviously, it was it was all correct. Um, so Joe Alexander is a rookie. Uh, he actually looked okay his second year, and then never played another game for the Bucks. Um, but then uh, I'd say Rashad Vaughn last year, sort of just looking bad and not any better than than he did as a you know for really forgettable rookie year and then um probably the the other third one sneaky disappointing often forgotten but larry sanders showed up in before his third season which was surprising and was awful in like i think he played like two games and then is that the one he fouled the like entire time yeah, yeah, he basically only he had like fouls and didn't do anything else. Basically, I think yeah. that was um, when Tobias and Henson were also on the team because um, there was that. Because remember, he he was there 2010 and then 2011 with the lockout. They didn't have summer league, and then 2012 was his third season, so only his second summer league. He looked okay in his first summer league. You know, he hit some jump shots, etc. But um, but Larry was really bad, and then of course, you know, two months later he shows up and has his breakout season. And so you know, if there's ever a, a counter example for you know a guy being there too long and looking bad in his third year and then somehow breaking out it would uh it would be larry sanders so um so anyway so who knows hopefully we get good performances from all these guys but um you know inevitably there will be plenty of rough edges i'm sure that we will see from from everybody and i don't know my my main thing i just want thon to look good that's my main thing. I want Thon to look good because we have the most riding on him. Malcolm Brogdon just said, I'm too cool for this. I'm old and I have a Rookie of the Year award. Um, so in terms of guys, obviously other guys have much more to gain or lose just because, you know, Thon's going to be your starter presumably regardless if he's healthy on yeah. opening night, regardless of what he does in Vegas. But um, everybody else uh, has something more to prove. And I think the only other thing I'd mention about Thon, I want to see more standstill explosion from Thon. You know, this was something we, we saw mm-hmm. last year. And we commented last year. We I think our first podcast as lock as under the Locked On Bucks uh, name came. I think basically in, when I was in Vegas, I want to say. And one of the things we noted was you know that thirty six or thirty seven inch vertical, you know, which was like the the highest for any seven footer in I think combine history. It didn't show up it very often. Didn't show up when he was certainly didn't show up just off two feet, just without any chance to really gather. Um, and uh, that's something that obviously you know, is important because if you're going to, you know, get an offensive rebound and go up in traffic, something we saw from Giannis, a lot of lower body strength, core strength, explosion. That's something he gained a significant amount of over his first few years in the league. Um, and Thon, obviously, who knows if he's had time to really do a ton of work with that in the last few couple months. But um, that's certainly something not just now, but but over the next you know year. Um, that's an area where obviously, especially I think offensively as well as on the boards defensively, um, is really important for him to get a bit, you know, get stronger, uh, and be able to be a bit more explosive finishing around the rim. I mean, we saw when he gets in, in space and he catches, you know, that like double pump he had against the Pacers, you know, he, yep. you can see so you can see the vertical at times, but, um, but other times you don't. And it's funny. I was looking at, um, at pick and roll stats. I mean, we often joked about how useless it was to have Thon roll to the rim and, I, I looked on Synergy. Maybe maybe I was doing something wrong, but I looked on Synergy. I could not. They didn't have a single possession logged for Thon <laughs> as a pick and roll roll man. Um, and I mean, I can think of like one or two that he that I 
think should have counted. But yeah, it does speak to just literally like he was ne- he could never get open. And you know, part of that is obviously mean the Bucks not having great pick and roll passers, but or spacing. Um, or spacing, uh, especially when one of your key spacers is is Thon and he's you know rolling pointlessly to the rim <laughs> into traffic and not getting open. But uh, so we'll we'll see. I, I'm, I am curious to see how much Thon you know pops versus rolls and whether he can actually uh, maybe get some get something going that way because um, in theory you know Thon like you'd think okay he's a skinny guy who's you know theoretically athletic you should be able to do some rim running, but. He didn't do that at all last year. So um, one more thing to keep an eye out for. All right, Frank. Um, I think that that is the extent of our, our summer league discussion. Um, we promised uh, a take, a thought. Um, we're pretty deep into this. Uh, you, you still want to touch on this? Sure, why not? We're going to have too much summer league stuff to talk about moving forward. So Okay, sounds good. Um, so a conversation that we've had often, I would say, is... How do the Bucks get more talent? And by saying get more talent, I think I would say top end talent. I think that would be the spot where the team is really lacking. And maybe it wasn't I wouldn't say it was as as serious before the Jabari Parker injury. Again, there's more than enough debate about Jabari Parker and whether or not he's anything, but I do think that he could have been a very, I mean, I think a valuable asset if he would have stayed healthy this season, scores 20 points a game. That is, whether or not you think that's an asset that fits in Milwaukee, that that would have been an asset, um, and that doesn't exist anymore. So um, that kind of pushes things down the road, and you don't know what you're getting there, so that's kind of a question mark, and um, you're not sure what Thon is going to be. You don't know if Malcolm Brogdon's ever going to be anything more than just a solid starter. Uh, and then you look at Chris Middleton, and okay, is he a, could he be a number two on a championship team? Probably not. Could, is he a three? Is he ideally a four on a championship roster? Like what? What? How does that all work? Um, so I, I think that's something we've kind of struggled with um, as we try to figure out like how does this Bucks team actually win a championship? And I got to say, there's not really a ton of, I don't have a ton of great ideas for this summer. Um, And going forward, I don't know if I have a ton of really great ideas because as, as we talked about, the cap doesn't really get, their cap situation doesn't get all that much prettier uh, next summer. So we've kind of been brainstorming. And the one thing that I came up with, which is strange considering Essentially, my I don't even know. I, I'm probably considered a stan of his. Um, I, I just look at Chris Middleton and think, is that the guy the Bucks have to trade? Is that how they get to that next level? Is that how they find their true number two behind Giannis? And I just keep coming back to that, Frank. And I don't love that I keep coming back to it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because I think when you when people think about moving somebody who is a big name on the box, you know, the the obvious name, other than sort of you know, well, Greg Monroe. It's like, well, yeah, okay, Greg Monroe's expiring. We know he has not been <laughs> very you know in high demand over the past year and a half. Uh, is it year? Yeah, year and a half that he's yeah. that he's been on the trade yeah. block. Um, so you try to think about who who is potentially there. And, you know, the first person is typically that people think of is Jabari just because the injuries and, you know, uh, there is obviously a lot of division over 
how impactful he can be um, because of his defense. Um, you know, offensively, is is he going to be a really you know high powered scorer, or is he going to be maybe kind of more of an empty calories guy? Certainly, some encouraging stuff, including his his perimeter game improving last year on that front. Yep. Um, but obviously, so much in doubt around that. Um, but people don't necessarily think of Chris Middleton because Chris Middleton's on this great contract. He's got a couple years left on his deal. A lot of people say, oh, he's got three years left on his deal. Well. The third one is on a player option, which is going to be hopelessly underpriced if he's anything close <laughs> to what he is now. So yeah. effectively two years. Um, and, you know, I think if we've learned anything right, I mean, Chris Middleton isn't Paul George. Um, but again, if you want to be proactive as a franchise, um, you got to kind of think about these things a little bit in advance. And, you know, if the Bucks don't view Chris Middleton as a number two, um, I imagine they probably would view him as a good enough number three. Um, but obviously there are questions about, you know, uh, depending on, you know, positionally how you view the rest of this roster, um, you may look at him and say, you know, his value, especially if he comes out, um, you know, if they, if he's around the rest of the summer and into the season, if he comes out playing very well next year, um, does, you know, this year even become the time when his value maxes out and, um, a year from now, maybe maybe he has less value because then he becomes an expiring contract. So, you know, again, I think the question is what to what end, right? You don't try to move Chris Middleton just to move Chris Middleton. That doesn't make sense. He's he's a great player for, you know, the type of role he provides, especially on this team with the versatility he has on the wing defensively as well as offensively and the strat the floor spacing, which we'd like to see even more of. Um, but what he can do as a shooter, obviously, is really important given some of the other pieces the Bucks have. Um, but I think it is f- totally fair if you're viewing it through the lens of the Bucks need to go find another great player to look at Jabari and Chris and, and think about what they could be worth and, and how those guys might take you to uh, to maybe another level. And, you know, I, I don't think we take this lightly because trading Chris Middleton or even trading Jabari Parker, you know, talking about Giannis. <laughs> that's does, a does Giannis serious move, s- yeah. That's a serious move, you know, and, and especially Chris. You know, Giannis was very outspoken about how important yep. Chris was after he came back. Um, if you do trade Chris, you better get something really valuable that helps you long term. Um, and, and that could mean a lot of things, right? I mean, it could mean uh, a younger player on a rookie contract who has maybe more upside than Chris, um, which, again, could could be a setback in the short term, or it could mean, you know, another guy maybe in the same age range. I don't think you'd want to trade Chris for, you know, a guy who's 30 or something like that just because yeah. then it kind of conflicts with the honest's timetable. But um, but I think it is fair to kind of, you know, at least at this level, I don't know how much the Bucks are going to go, you know, actively <laughs> shopping Chris Middleton. That That would be... You know, something you'd want to be very careful about, but at least for random people like us talking on a podcast, I think it is an interesting <laughs> thing to at least talk about, right? If if you are looking at this as an arms race and you're looking at what teams like Boston and, and Philadelphia sort of long term in the East are doing, um, I think it is a fair thing to kind of wonder about, you know, what, what might you do with Chris uh, as well as Jabari? I, I guess the thing that really started to make me think about this was Giannis's extension kicking in. And this was before, obviously, everything that's happened in the last month. But pretty much as the season ended, I started to think like, okay, what's the ideal way to approach Giannis free agency? And how do you want to try to put a team together for him going forward? And... I just kept thinking, like, okay, so Middleton's got three more years, but really two more years. Like, he, if he plays to his current level, he's opting out of that final year of his contract. So you get him for two more years, so that means there would be two of the four years of Giannis and then still two years left on Giannis before his next deal. And I kept thinking about what his contract, what Middleton's next contract looks like. 
because I would say he's one of the more underpaid players in the league right now. And I, I don't think it would be outside of, I mean, I don't think it would be unreasonable for him to expect to get paid on his next one, um, to get paid even better than he did here, because uh, he's really blossomed into something special on this contract uh, that he signed originally. So I guess part of it is fear for that next contract, and part of it is fear for how you put together a team with that contract on your books. And I guess my I guess operative question would be, Frank, what do you think that number is on the next contract? Because at that point, maybe he's a little bit older and not as a tr- as a, attractive as a three and D guy because he his age would be a little bit more advanced. But I don't think he's so far out of his prime that he couldn't get good money at that point yeah i mean he's going to be 28 going into the 1920 season so he's going to be very much still you know you would hope if uh, if he stays healthy still a guy playing at, at a very high level still maybe not in his at his athletic peak but you know chris is a guy whose skill level i think does give him a chance to play a very long time and we've seen you know joe johnson is a guy that i've often kind of looked at and and seen similarities between chris's game and joe johnson's game you know joe johnson's peak i think was certainly higher than what we've seen from chris in terms of scoring in particular but in terms of a guy who could play shooting guard or small forward at the at the you know a six eight size and you know use his size against smaller guys um didn't have explosive athleticism but could make plays for others could you know get assists um i think there are a lot of similarities there between between joe johnson and and chris middleton and thankfully chris middleton has not been paid like joe johnson yet um (laughs) but i don't think it's unreasonable at all in in the 2019 season um you know i think right now i think the estimates i've seen that these are kind of stale we haven't really seen a, a fresh update but you know a number we've seen previously was about 109 million for the salary cap in 2019 20 um so you know again in, in terms of um a max deal you know a max would be 30 percent of that so that would be you know over 30 million dollars a year i don't think chris middleton is no. going to get that kind of money especially in sort of the cap environment that we have today but you never know right i mean all, again all it takes is is one team that has a specific need um that that might you know take a shot on something like that but i think for the bucks you know it's very possible that you would have to look at at paying, you know, twenty to twenty five million dollars a year, you know, and yeah. um, that that to me doesn't seem unreasonable. I mean, twenty nineteen twenty, Giannis will be getting paid twenty five point eight million, um, and he will be an absolute steal at that number, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. barring disaster. Um, so I think it will be interesting to see kind of what the Bucks do. But you know, fortunately in twenty nineteen twenty, you know, in terms of the rest of your cap sheet. Um, that would be John Henson's last year of his of his oh contract at at uh, nine point seven million. He does have a declining deal. Matthew Delvado is at nine point six. Um, Thon will be in the last year of his rookie deal at three point six. Um, Rashad Vaughn uh, will be a uh, uh, he will be a, a restricted free agent going into that year. Something tells me Rashad Vaughn will will not be a Milwaukee Buck at that point. Um, but the other interesting thing there as well is Malcolm Brogdon will be a restricted free agent going into the 2019-20 season. So um, you know if the roster stayed as it is today, uh, that would be the year that both Malcolm Brogdon and Chris Middleton would need to have decisions made, and Thon would be up for an extension, uh, a rookie extension to kick in in 2021 and in the year 2020 that is the year that Giannis would be up for his supermax extension which hopefully will be a no-brainer at that point but in any case you know we haven't even talked about Jabari he would be in the second year of a potential new contract if he's around so um you know again I mean the Bucks have um you know potentially a lot of flexibility there um but 
again, there's nothing, uh, you know, there's nothing to say that Chris Middleton might not be difficult to keep, um, especially as an unrestricted free agent. And we don't know what the Bucks might do over the next couple summers, especially with Jabari or potentially somebody who, you know, Jabari would be traded for. So, um, so yeah, I think the question is now, you know, Chris Middleton's on this great contract. Teams um, that are trying to be competitive now would probably view that contract very favorably over the next couple of years. And, you know, I think that's the question is, you know, is there some move out there that lets you um, maybe extend your runway uh, into the 2020s in a way that you maybe think gives you more upside than than just by retaining Chris and trying to re-up him in, in the you know 2019 summer? So I guess the, the major thing to say here is we both think the world of Chris Middleton um, and obviously can understand why people would have trepidation um, in moving him at all. But I guess the what I'm so if you're thinking about what you're trying to possibly get for him, I think to me, like I said, you're still looking for a legit number two option. I don't think that is Chris Middleton. And I, again, I I have definitely fought for Chris Middleton before and have tried to tell people just how good he is, but I'm not quite sure he's a legit number two. Um, so you'd be looking for that that number two option. And I guess for me right now, I think the biggest void the Bucks have to fill is off the dribble three-point shooting and off the dribble playmaking. Most of the time that comes in the, the form of a one or a two, um, a point guard or a shooting guard, excuse me. So... I think that would be what you'd be after, and I think you'd be looking for uh, the younger side of that. Um, so I guess, is there anything else you could be looking at before we go into some maybe possible uh, deals or possible targets? Is there anything else you would think uh, you'd be looking for and maybe why Chris Middleton wouldn't be able to fill that at that point? No, I mean, I think the two the two positions that... Um that obviously, you know, you would look at the the current roster and say, what what could you do there? Um, would be shooting guard and point guard, uh, point guard in particular. And uh, obviously, you've got a number of guys who can kind of fill in at potentially both spots. Um, uh, you know, principally Malcolm Brogdon. I think you know if you if you were to acquire a, a big name point guard somehow, I think you could still talk yourself into Malcolm Brogdon being a really useful piece as a shooting guard. And you have Tony Snell, right? Who's sort of this malleable piece here that, um, you know, if you need a guy who can eat minutes and play well with others, um, at either the two or the three, which is relevant, especially with, you know, last year with Chris out, he was playing the two, um, and with, uh, Jabari then getting hurt, you know, they moved Chris up to the three and had Tony play the two mostly, but you know, really they were kind of interchangeable. So, um, so you do have some options there and obviously, um, with some of the other guys in the roster, you know, Sterling Brown, you'd love it if he became another diamond in the rough. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the backcourt is, is still the place where, uh, especially if you're looking for shooting, that's where you're trying to get it, uh, especially with Giannis and Thon, you know, effectively being your, your four or five position and, and bringing a lot of dynamism and really unique talents there, especially Giannis, but, you know, hopefully Thon uh, offensively can, can start to look more like what we see potentially uh, on the defensive end. So as I started to try to conceptualize this, the the thoughts that came to me, a couple teams stuck out and a couple players stuck out. Um, so I'm just going to kind of list those off and I, I want to see what you think. Uh, the first person that came to mind was CJ McCollum. And why McCollum and the Blazers came to mind for me was, one, they're kind of in their own cap hell right now. Um, and again, obviously, if you're making a trade, you got to make salaries work out and stuff of that nature. But you could possibly help them 
move away from some of that. Uh, obviously, uh, McCollum, I believe, I think this is the first year of his extension. Um, yep. It'll be $24 million, I believe, this upcoming year. Um, so by moving for Middleton, maybe you could give them uh, Middleton and Hawes, uh, Middleton and Monroe. If they really wanted to try to clear some money, you would need to add a player in that situation. Um, but what you could do is try to help them get out from uh, the cap hell that they've created for themselves. But then also this is a team that wants to continue to be good. Um, and this is a team that wants to compete. Uh, they obviously have Dame Lillard who started in the league at an advanced age. So he's in his prime right now. So they, they kind of need to go for it and try to get better. And I feel like if you'd put Middleton with Lillard and Nurkic and some of the wings that they have, I think maybe you have a team that, that makes some sense for Middleton and in McCollum, you obviously have a player that kind of fills both of those things I had mentioned. Um, a younger guy, a longer deal and obviously off the off the dribble three-point shooting and some playmaking as well so um what are your thoughts there yeah i mean i i think middleton's a more valuable player and especially when you factor in contract he, you know he's about 10 million dollars cheaper per year the next couple of years yep. um so i mean i think especially for a team like like portland i think that could actually make a lot of sense i think Pairing him with Lillard, whether Chris is playing the two or the three, um, I think could make a lot of sense given he has obviously great size relative to you know the undersized backcourt they have, defensively challenged backcourt they have. Um, I think it makes uh, certainly a fair bit of sense for Portland. Um, and you know, again, I think for the Bucks, I mean, I think it is it is would be more of a, a fit question, right? And trying to get that that shooting uh, and that off dribble uh, type threat that they just don't have right now. And um, again, you wish that Chris could actually be more of that guy and actually shoot more threes but he just doesn't do that mm-hmm. um right now and i don't know maybe jason kidd could take away some of cj mccollum's will to shoot off the dribble <laughs> threes as well i don't know um but uh but yeah it's it's kind of one of those tough things because it's like you're paying more money for the next couple of years for a guy who objectively in isolation i don't think is as good as chris milton but as you said the age the ages line up better with Giannis. Um, the fit is is pretty good and potentially is maybe what would put you over the top if you thought that it made sense. And obviously, you know, there's lots of kind of on stuff on the margin that you might do with picks and other kind of random guys that, you know, depending on who you thought was getting the better end of the deal, you could you could try to work out. But obviously for Portland, the big thing would be shaving a, a ton of money off their tax bill and potentially getting a better player, a better fit. Um, but still, maybe, maybe that makes sense for the Bucks. All right. Up next, again, I don't. This one I don't like as much as the Portland one. Um, I think I'm kind of partial to McCollum as as kind of the guy. Uh, but to Washington for Brad Beal, uh, again, I, I think it's pretty similar with the extension for Beal. Um, I think it's about the same price. So you can do pretty much those same deals. You could do Middleton and Hawes, um, or you could throw in a guy like Gortat and add Monroe to it. Um, same thing with Beal, kind of the same idea that he's a guy that can do some off-the-dribble three-point shooting. He can do some three-point shooting just in general. He can do a little bit of playmaking, obviously uh, leaves some to be desired there. Um, but again, kind of what I was thinking there is younger guy, those things that I was looking for, um, and team that wanted to win. Yeah, I mean, I think Beal is a, a, certainly a better scorer, um, more prolific shooter uh, in terms of, again, more like McCollum in terms of he just gets a lot of threes up um, versus a guy like Chris. Um, is he as good an all-around player, versatile player when you factor in size and defense? I think that's pretty debatable. I'm sure Washington fans would 
you know, throw tomatoes at me for even suggesting that that Chris Milton is as good as Bradley Beal. Um, oh, but will. I think there's a, but I, <laughs> I agree, <laughs> but I think there is an argument there and, and Beal still only 23 years old. Um, you know, again, kind of like, uh, kind of like McCollum, he's on a bigger contract. Um, he made $22 million last year. Um, but again, I mean, is he overpaid relative to the market? I don't think so, especially, you know, given the, the strides that he has made. Um, but I think like McCollum, you know, they, there is a valid question to say, like, well, you know, if you're complaining about Chris Middleton not being good enough to be your number two, um, you know, is Bradley Beal good enough to be your number two? I mean, yeah. you know, the the Warriors arguably have Clay Thompson as their number four, and Beal and McCollum are arguably never going to be as as useful as Clay Thompson just because they don't play defense like Clay Thompson does. Yeah. So, you know, if you're comparing yourself to the Warriors, it's pretty tough. Um, but I do think Beal and McCollum, like like Middleton, I mean, all these guys actually have some underrated playmaking skills. You know, Beal last year, three and a half assists per game. Um, you know, he's not a guy that rebounds at all. Um, not a defensive playmaker. Um, you lose something, I think, on that end. But, uh, you know, again, if if you're trying to get maybe a guy with more offensive upside, I think Beal certainly would fit the bill. And um, again, you know, in some injury concerns around him, I think both Beal and, and McCollum actually have had some yep leg injuries in the past um that's always a concern Beal really last year um getting through a full season healthy was encouraging so i mean certainly i think from a bucks perspective you'd have to consider that um i think that'd be more a question of you know does washington see something in that and you know with Otto porter getting presumably this huge contract match that that brooklyn offered him um they're going to be really capped out really this this roster um so you know maybe they view a trade of Beal as a way to potentially add you know they would say well give us chris middleton and something else you know how much would you really be willing to give above and beyond Chris Middleton? I don't know, um, but that that could be something that could be of interest given their cap situation. And obviously, as we say this, you know the Bucks, if they were to add salary this year, that that would create some issues for them. Um, so not to ignore that, but you know, hey, we're trying to think big picture. Um, all right, up next, these next two are maybe not quite as much star potential, but more just a package of young players that would be intriguing. Um, I was going to Denver to try to get Gary Harris. Uh, Gary Harris is in the last year of his deal this year um, and is due. I, I would assume they're probably going to give him that early extension. Um, but uh, a guy that I think a lot of people find very interesting. Um, you could do Harris for Harris and Fareed for Middleton to make the money work. You could also add in uh Ernan gomez to that as well um wilson chandler could be switched in for kenneth Fareed if you find that more interesting as well and the nuggets just have a plethora of young guys uh the roster is kind of just in a weird spot because they have a bunch of guys not making a ton of money and obviously uh they just added paul Millsap, um and paul Millsap is going to make a bunch of it but they're going to have some decisions to make in the coming years and how they try to put together a team but um if I was them, I would think the Jamal Murray, Millsap, Jokic, Middleton combo is is pretty nice. Um, that's a that's a starting lineup that I think you could probably get behind. And I don't know how you want to fill that last spot. It would depend on what else you would trade to the Bucks. But I think there's probably enough that you would like there. I think the big thing in this one would be: Do the Bucks think they're getting enough value back for Chris Middleton? Yeah, I mean, this is this is an example where you're you're clearly getting you know a younger guy who is who's not at at Chris's level at this point. So um, you know, it, it not to say that. Uh, fans of the Denver Nuggets don't value Gary Harris like Chris Middleton. Yeah. They seem to be extremely high on him and they don't want to trade him for anything it seems. Um but yeah, I mean, do I trade for Gary Harris when, you know, it seems like he's 
uh, expected to get 20 plus million dollars per year. Um, I, I don't know. He's one of those interesting guys, especially if he hit hits restricted free agency. Does he actually get you know that kind of offer sheet, um, mm-hmm. or um, could he be a guy who maybe um, you know you could maybe get a little bit better deal on? I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see um, what what happens with him if he does get an early extension if he sticks around in Denver. Um, but uh, but yeah, Harris is interesting. But I, I would want another one of those kind of really interesting young assets. I mean, you're not going to get Jamal Murray. You know, I, I know I'm, I'm not going to be you know expecting that. I don't want Tyler Lydon. I don't know why they picked him. Um, <laughs> Moutier, but, um, maybe you could throw in there as well. Yeah, I mean, um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really value Moutier. I just don't really believe in. He's just been so same ineffective his his first couple of years. I don't see his shot. I mean, he's still really young, but um, but that might be one of those things. Like you know, again, if if the Nuggets are giving up on Moutier, and you know uh, that he's one of those guys that like seems likely to be traded just because opinions of him might be so polarizing yeah. there might be some team out there that really values him but um strangely I like enough a lot, as but, i say strangely enough know. i don't know if middleton's a dollar but you would certainly be trying to get a bunch of quarters for this dollar like that would be the nuggets trade you're making yeah so uh all right last one i have and i don't know if you have any ideas or not but uh to utah um and again utah's kind of interesting as well um because i mean they're just in a in a weird spot now um, with Hayward deciding not to go with them. Um, so the I, I guess the target was probably Rodney Hood. Again, he's another one of those guys that's younger but on the verge of signing that next contract. Um, and I don't know necessarily where that contract would be, um, but you could do Hood and Derek Favors who's in a similar situation. You could do Hood and uh, Adam Joe Johnson who would be a one-year expiring as well. And then really you could just kind of go through that roster and pick out exactly what you wanted. Um, I think there's a number. Uh, I think Hood's interesting. Obviously, Dante Axum is a guy that Bucks fans are well acquainted with. Um, I think you could go through and maybe pick some more of those out. But again, you're, prob- you're probably not getting enough value for Middleton from Utah. Yeah, it's it's they're in a weird spot, obviously, because I think they're too good. They have too much talent um, to, to be bad, right? I think yeah. as long as they have Gobert and, and a lot of those other pieces, um, you know, if, if Axum or, or Donovan Mitchell, if any of those guys sort of uh, become good, valuable players more quickly than than maybe some might expect, or um, you know, turn the corner a bit this year. You know, Alec Burks has been solid for them, but just is never healthy. Um, I think they actually could still be pretty good, win forty some games, even without yeah. um, Gordon Hayward. Um, but they are interesting. I mean, Hood's been hurt a lot too. He had a disappointing year last year after you know really kind of turning some heads his first couple of seasons. Um, so yeah, I think with them it'd be more of the poo poo platter. Like you're not getting Gobert or anything like that. Like yeah. let's let's just stop with that you know favors is i think yeah, he's an expiring contract and kind of you know especially with the way the league's moving like you know is is favors and um gobert really the you know the the, the, the option you want to go forward yeah. probably not um but you know favors also like i don't think favors necessarily makes a lot of sense in milwaukee either um despite him being he's you know before the injuries was very good so um so yeah but hood hood is definitely interesting um, you know, he he's maybe um, was sort of on a Chris Middleton type track before some of these injuries and had a disappointing season last year. Um, but as far as another guy who's got good size at six eight, um, can play both wing spots, can hit threes, um, can make some plays. Maybe not like a you know really kind of awesome knockdown lethal shooter. Um, maybe a little bit more inconsistent if I remember correctly some of his his two point numbers. But um, but he's an interesting guy. Again, you're gonna have to pay him too. Um, yep. But he will at least be restricted. Uh, but if you got, you know, Rodney Hood and, um, you know, another asset that, that you find attractive, I mean, 
I, you know, the Bucks reportedly liked Dante Axum a lot before that draft um, when they picked Jabari. Um, you know, his his early career has has really you know hasn't really taken off. You know, he had also an ACL injury that he came back from last year. You know, just never really kind of figured it out. Um, he looked pretty good last night when I was watching him in the in summer league. Um, but I, I don't know. It, the Jazz are interesting because I've always viewed them as sort of the like fallback Jabari trade option, just because. Mm, yeah. You know, not not the stereotype, but you know, now they just lost Gordon Hayward. They need scoring. They probably want something to get the fan base excited. Well, I mean, they have great fans. I'm not that they need this move to make fans interested, but you know, Jabari, Jabari could do is, that. Yeah, is Jabari is the greatest Mormon basketball player of all time. Sorry, Danny Ainge. So um, you know, that would be he has. Let's just say this: he has unique value in in the Utah market. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. I don't. I don't think Dennis Lindsay would want to trade for him just for that reason. But um, but clearly, there's a little extra juice there. Um, that could make something interesting, and I've always kind of wondered, you know, with such the Bucks having a potential need at point guard, you know, is is sort of something centered around Exum and Parker. Um, and I know a lot of Bucks fans will say like, well, what the hell has Dante Exum ever done? Jabari's at least you know, he's twenty point per game scorer, like he yeah. at least put up pretty big numbers. Um, and Exum has not done that, but um, but again, it doesn't necessarily have to be a straight thing. Um, but yeah, I think there there could be maybe some interesting options there, either with Jabari or Chris. Um, and Utah, just given the number of assets they have, kind of, kind of like um, Denver a little bit. You know, a team that is has a lot of young assets, um, doesn't necessarily have uh, somebody on the wing at this point that um, that really blows you away. And so there's some some interest there, either for Jabari or or Chris. Um, but uh, but yeah, those are a couple of teams that are interesting. So Frank, as we went through this, um, as we went through this exercise, as we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks, I think I always kind of find myself drawing up a trade and then thinking, you know what? I don't know if that's enough for Chris or, you know what? I think I'd probably rather just roll with Chris or, you know what? Maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing to give him his next contract. And I guess ultimately that's, that's probably the way you, you view trading Chris Middleton as an organization this summer that, Hey, this is a guy that Giannis really likes. This is a guy that is super effective on the floor who has a great contract right now. Like we're just not going to be able to get enough value for him. Um, and then ultimately you don't end up moving him. Um, and, and I don't know, like it, it's, it's just something that I know I should probably be, be more cautious about as I'm armchair GMing over here. Um, and I should be thinking more about the future and finding that next level of talent. But just having Chris Middleton is really good for, for your franchise and for your team. Like he is just a helpful basketball player. Um, and in a, on a roster where maybe those guys aren't super plentiful at this moment, like that's just a nice thing to have. Yeah. And I think too, you know, I have to wonder, you know, is, is Chris Middleton being exploited to the, to the highest value he could have under Jason Kidd just because, you know, again, yeah, Chris Middleton is good at posting up, you know, shooting guards when he's playing shooting guard. But again, I mean, is that like really the best way to use Chris Middleton or or to run an offense period? You know, I, I'm I'm just thinking back to the playoffs and Chris is, you know, not played that well in, in either of the two playoff series he's been in, obviously coming off an injury last year. So that that obviously probably played a factor. But um, 
But, you know, I mean, watching him just sort of put, try to post up in, in mm-hmm. playoff series and, you know, kind of struggle to, to really be an efficient scorer the way he's been during, you know, regular seasons, um, you know, I think it's fair to kind of wonder, like, okay, is, is you know, can you can you hit your, your horse to, um, to or not hit your horse, I guess hit your wagon <laughs> to, to Chris Middleton <laughs> um, in the playoffs? Um, and again, Giannis has to be the guy, but um, but it, I think it's fair to kind of wonder, you know, is, is there something out there that, that might be, you know, better in the very long term. Um, I would agree. I think, I think the inclination of the Bucks should be to hang on to Chris and see how well they can play together. You know, we haven't seen, um, you know, we won't see still him with Jabari, obviously, uh, for at least you know first half of the season. Um, but I do, I am very intrigued to see this team with you know the Giannis, Thon, Chris, Tony, Brogdon combination kind of start a season. Presumably, that'll be the starting lineup uh, this fall. Um, and see how good they can be defensively as well as offensively. Um, And, uh, you know, again, I think they can be choosy if if some team came around and, you know, blew them away with the trade offer for a guy that they think has, you know, bigger upside or, you know, a longer kind of locked in contract, whatever it might be, um, then I think you have to listen to it. But but yeah, I mean, are you actively shopping Chris Middleton? I don't think so. Um, And I guess we can talk about Jabari at some other point. Um, But, uh, you know, I think a lot of the a lot of the similar teams, similar storylines might be at play with Jabari as well. But just obviously complicated by by the injury, which obviously is something that presumably would require him to be traded at at a fair bit of discount. Um, Only other teams I might kind of look at for Chris um, Orlando, you know, with Jeff Weltman and, and John Hammond being the guys that obviously liked him enough to to find him uh, and bring him to Milwaukee. Um, Orlando's an interesting team. Um, they have a lot of kind of random, kind of pretty good young guys. Oh, I just um, saw so something I, I really like with them. Like a Fournier, Aaron Gordon, and then you throw in a contract. Like I could maybe it, I've always been a Fournier stan and Aaron Gordon remains intriguing. Yeah, and I mean I don't think you could get both of those guys for Chris. I think you'd have to, you know, I, yeah, I would. I would imagine you. Know, you might have to throw Jabari in to get both yeah. of those guys, just because of the Jabari discount. And uh, I think you know those two guys together are, are probably too valuable. You know, Fournier is kind of like maybe a, a sort of maybe budget version of Chris a little bit. Doesn't defend, I think, at the at the level that that Chris does. Um, but in terms of a wing who can space the floor and actually make some plays and be yep. versatile offensively, um, he bring I think brings a lot, and he's locked in on a pretty decent contract. And then Gordon's a guy who's probably probably somewhat polarizing, just because. I think we've always expected him to be better than he has been, but um, after they mercifully let him play some power forward last year, um, he started to look a lot better uh, in the second then, half of the season. Like, I don't and, even know if that's a high enough position. Like he might be a center. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, certainly has the mobility. I don't think he protects the rim or necessarily yeah. even rebounds at a high enough level to play there for more than a few minutes a game. But, um, but it is interesting. I mean, you know, again, you can kind of obviously question. Well, you know. If if you had Aaron Gordon, um, defensively you're going to be incredible with Giannis. Um, offensively, you know, again, unless Giannis starts to deliver mm-hmm. that perimeter shot, Gordon has not shown uh, a reliable perimeter shot, very similar to Giannis. Um, you know, are you handicapping yourself too much there? Uh, you would need a ton of shooting at the one, two, and five spots um, to probably compromise for that. But I mean, athletically, you'd be off the charts. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I think with Gordon, I'm I'm. I'm a big Gordon believer still. Um, he is young for his for his draft year too, um, but I think it'll be interesting to see what what kind of money he's looking at with his next contract too, because he's one of those guys who's pretty tough to value, right? I mean, he yeah. could be. 
a max guy or he could be half that, right? I mean, in terms of like what he's actually worth. Um, so there'll, there'll be a fair bit of risk of that. And I think always interesting to look at a team like Orlando just because, you know, the guys who, you know, all those guys were acquired by the previous regime. So we yeah. don't know what, what John Hammond and Jeff Weltman think about that team. We do know they presumably like Chris Middleton a lot. I don't mm-hmm. know what they think of Jabari Parker. Um, but uh, I don't know. It would be interesting to see if, um, you know, if, if there might be something that, that you could cook up there. All right, Frank. Um, I think we just went it through an exercise that was probably mostly useless, um, but I think it. I, I do still think it's a, it's an interesting conversation and one that if you're if you're really trying to figure out how this team maximizes their roster, I think it's a conversation that you have to at least consider and kind of go through and figure out if that would be uh, the way to go about things. I think as we talked through this, we probably decided that it isn't. Um, but I do think it's a conversation worth having, and I'm happy that we had it. So uh, that's going to be it for us for today on Lockdown Bucks. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, We'll have two summer league games to talk about. Or I think so. I'm trying to. Yeah, we'll re- we'll probably record after that uh, Sunday night uh, summer league game. So what do you? What, what about what about a, a weekend a weekend pod? Do you, would you be up for it after the like you're saying after? I'm putting you on the spot. We haven't talked about this, but yeah, I, could, I think I could probably do it. I'm trying to think it's what my schedule is this weekend. It's um, an early early Friday game. I don't know. We're we're lame, right? I'm married, so I mean, I've got I've got nothing going on. So. Uh, tomorrow I actually have big plans with a smoker. I'm gonna my friend just <laughs> my friend just bought a new smoker, so we're gonna we're gonna cook a lot of meat. Uh, but that's that's evening. So Saturday, I'm, I could probably be available on Saturday. Um. So yeah, we can talk about it. Either we'll do a weekend one, or we'll have one for you probably Sunday night uh, into early, early, early Monday morning. Um, but either way, we'll be back. Uh, we'll talk to you in a little bit. This has been Locked On Bucks. That was Frank Mann. I'm Eric Name, and we'll talk to you later. Hi, you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10, select styles only.